there's a few things that we definitely see. Like obviously there's the Facebook and the metaverse and that thing that's been announced and the augmented VR and reality that can be incorporated with that. Everyone has to get their goofy headset on and it can pop into the same literal virtual meeting space. But I think that's a long-term solution. So in the shorter term and probably in the next, whatever, one year, two year, three years, I think a lot of the tools and technology that's going to improve the remote working thing is just the collaboration tools. Like think like Google Docs or think like whiteboarding solutions or think like more Zoom features or Google Meet features or whatever they might be. I see a lot of those tools kind of getting more uh, adopted and then folks working more collaboratively on those specific tools, right? It's really powerful. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode Googleization. Uh, and thanks for being here for another episode of Geeks, Skeezers, and Googleization as well. The What a crazy time. And happy Thanksgiving, by the way. And happy early Black Friday. For, for That seems to be the universal date. We've got a guest from Canada who's at Thanksgiving weeks ago. But the uh, universal uh, holiday seems to be Black Friday. So how are you, how are you doing, Jason? We're doing great. We're getting packed up. This Thanksgiving looks a lot different than last year's Thanksgiving, which is good. We stayed home out of an abundance of precaution. This year, we're fully vaccinated. Thank you, science. And heading back out to go see family. So we're, we're really excited about it. You know, it's really interesting that you say that thanks to science. We had a discussion last night, and you've heard me say this, and I think we've talked about it on the show a couple of times. If we went back 10 years, just 10 years, maybe even five and we had the pandemic, what the, what the world would have looked like without technology, because everybody, you know, everybody had Zoom fatigue, retired of this, retired of being on, on, you know, whether it was in school, whether it was communicating, whether it was having a, a Zoom Thanksgiving dinner, you know, people complained about technology uh, and still are complaining about, you know, all the technology, how fast things were changing about the Internet. And yet the value that the technology brought, think of what the pandemic would have been, what the response, what our response, our capability to respond would have been had there not been that people that in the only way to go to work would have been to, you know, mask and social distance. But infections and the, the hospitalizations would have been exponentially larger than they were so and and then we still wouldn't have a vaccine because of technology because this one was really manufactured it wasn't done through live you know live vaccinations as as, as in the past a lot of the solutions and a lot of the, the medical miracles were basically using live vaccine and this was manufactured this moment technology. right here so it's it's incredible and we should be very fortunate that there was still 110 million people working uh, full-time getting paid economy was well actually struggled for a little bit but then then did very well except for certain sectors and you know i just can't imagine i mean we go back to 1918 of of what that was of, of people you know you, you couldn't quarantine you couldn't lock down because everybody had to continue to go to work that's right yeah and, and in addition to that there's a small glimmer of hope too that it looks like the jobless claims are finally starting to go down again and yeah mixed so blessing. Yeah, it's a mixed blessing. It means there's fewer people that are that are looking for work, but the number of job openings isn't decreasing. That's right. 
So I'm wearing my, you know, you might notice I'm wearing my Muhlenberg. You might not know what the M stands for, but it's Muhlenberg College. I'm an alumni there, but I'm also teaching an organizational change class. And today's topic with Scott Hirsch is going to be so good because last night there, we have seven students. It's a master's level program. We got people from the age, recent graduates from uh, 22, 23 years old up to mid 40s in mid management. And, you know, the conversation was about adaptability, which, you know, Again, you know, that's my, my passion and, and what we talk about all the time in the future work. And there, the 20, one of the younger ones, recent grads said, you know, he, he can't wait. We were in person last night. We have some classes virtual and some in person, was in person. And he was so grateful. I mean, he said, oh, I, lo I love this. I love being with people and, and, I, and I love getting back to this in person. And then one of the other students who's been in the workforce for about 10 years, I hope we never go back to normal. So shows the diversity and it doesn't mean that all young people, you know, just because you're, you're a digital native doesn't mean that you love working remote and just because you've been in the workforce and, and the person we talked to the student that we talked about works for a staffing company. She was traveling. I don't know how many days a year, but a lot. She was always on a plane. I was going somewhere, going to work. She literally went to work almost never worked from home. And all of a sudden she was forced to work from home and says, I kind of like this. And I hope I don't have to go back to all that travel. And I, she was pretty adamant is I don't want to return to normal and other people want to go back to the way it was. And, and that's the challenge that we're facing. So we're real fortunate to have Scott Hirsch here today. Why don't we bring Scott on instead of talking about him? Why don't we talk with him? Absolutely. There's Scott. So all, all the way from Toronto, Canada, right? Or are you in Toronto? Vancouver, West Coast. Va Vancouver. Okay. Still in Canada. <laughs> right. So welcome. Appreciate you being here. You've got a great story. Also, you're, you're, you're one of the examples of when I, when I continue to hear this, it just drives me crazy. You know, the, every problem that exists, the reason that we don't have enough workers is because of those darn millennials. So think you're you're on the cusp of that millennial gen z <laughs> thing but it's amazing how many millennials that have been on this show jason or that we meet and talk about that you know are ambitious not only smart but ambitious driving starting you know starting new businesses employing other people in tune to you know the issues not sitting in their parents basement playing video games you know all day long so we welcome you, Scott, but uh, it's, it's just amazing that it's like one by one and that they think there's, oh, there's one more on the planet. No, if you look around and get out of your, your, your own zone, there's, there's, there's a lot of good people and there's a lot of, there's a lot of baby boomers, which is certainly my, my generation that I don't necessarily look up to respect or, or dignify either with some of their attitudes or some that are feel pretty, in, all the descriptions fit all generations. Yeah. I appreciate that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what Talent Marketplace is? You, you started that company with a few friends, but we definitely want to get into hybrid work because this, you know, you're, you're living it, you're doing it, you're working with companies on it, and there's certainly a lot of issues involved. So let's start with what is Talent Marketplace, how you got there, and then uh, we'll dive into uh, hybrid work. For sure. Thanks so much for the intro there, Ira. So what Talent Marketplace is, it's an online project professional recruitment platform. So what that really means is we directly connect employers with job seekers that are looking for work. We make sure that all those job seekers are pre-screened with a phone interview and the resume review so that they are available, high quality, and ready to work. 
And we find that with helping all these businesses hire talent, particularly in this day and age, a lot of the talent and a lot of the businesses are looking for more remote options. They're going online to do the recruitment process or they're pulling people on to jobs that are fully remote. So they're looking more broadly across the country or even across the world for new talent instead. That's a little bit about Talent Marketplace and I'm super excited to talk more about the hybrid working model. Talent Marketplace, so are you, you're doing international or is it just, I mean, is it just Canada or North America or worldwide? Where's your reach? We're mostly focused in Vancouver, British Columbia and across Canada, but we are, you know, extending down south over the border too a little bit here as well. So we'd like to say that we're North America focused for now. What are you doing differently uh, than, than some other companies? What's your, I guess, your U USP, your unique selling up proposition? Right. The unique selling proposition is that we're a technology focused product as opposed to a traditional staffing agency. So we make sure that all of our candidates have profiles on the site. We make sure that all the job postings are up on our site, too. And it mo operates more like a reverse job board. So instead of employers coming to post jobs and then having candidates apply to them, what actually happens is the employers search through pre-screen talent and apply kind of the request interviews with the talent directly. And we find that that way actually can speed up the hiring process as well as create you know, a little bit more transparency in the process as well. So that reduces a lot of the screening time that employers have to put into it. Are you finding it as effective with multiple industries or is it just with tech? You know, what's the response been? That's a great question. Like, honestly, because the technology industry tends to be a little bit more open and accepting of new ideas and processes, that's where we found most of our success. That's also where the biggest pain in the market is right now from what we're seeing for hiring tech talent, developers, analysts, product owners, things like that. And so that's where we've seen most of the success so far, but we see it also extending into some of the more traditional areas too, like perhaps construction and healthcare and some of those other areas that have some of those specific needs too. And the website address is rolling across the screen for those who are just listening. It's talent, talentmarketplace.ca for Canada, not .com, .ca. <laughs> So make, if you want to learn more about that, you can, and we'll later on in the show, we'll, we'll give uh, a way to reach Scott, but I'm sure you can reach him from, from the website as well. So let's talk about this hybrid workforce. You know, your companies were forced into it. I mean, we think about where we were a year ago, uh, you know, in the November, 2020, we were the vaccine was, you know, the launch was just around the corner, but it wasn't quite there yet. We were still pretty isolated. You know, work companies were still stuck on working remote and it was like, oh, wait, but in February we'll be back. And then it was, oh, in May we'll be back. No, in September we'll be back. And now it's 2022 we'll be back. And and then there's a lot of companies that just abandoned the, you know, they didn't go 100% remote, but maybe 90%, 80%. I gave an, an example, it popped into my head last night and you, there's so much news and so many things going on. I remember the big news was, and this was at least a year ago, probably more than a year ago, when Nationwide Insurance, who has 20 corporate locations, decided to shut down 16 of them permanently. I mean, not, not, not temporarily, but permanently, which means that, but they weren't laying off people. They weren't going out of business. They were just getting re rid of a lot of real estate. And so, you know, obviously there's, they still have four corporate offices and people are still going to have to go to work there, but they had 16 locations where people were going to work remote. And so we have this blend. And, and as I've said a million times at this point, I think we have in-person and we have remote and it's not just hybrids, not one option in between. 
Can you no, absolutely talk about what's going on, what you're seeing, what's going on out there? Yeah, and I love that framework, right? Because you have 100% remote over here, 100% office over there. And it's really a spectrum of what hybrid options can exist in between there. We've seen some really interesting solutions from different companies. Obviously, there's a like, oh, you know, you work two days from home and three days from the office or vice versa or any level of days or time along that spectrum too. But I've actually seen some really innovative solutions to that as well. So like you suggested, there's a lot of businesses that have extra corporate space because maybe they've scaled down their in-office staff. So what I've actually seen a lot of is office space that's being re-subleased to other companies for remote workers that might want to work not in their home and not in the office, but somewhere else in between. So you almost have a location spectrum too. So we see things like co-working spaces or subleased office spaces for collaboration where like a handful of employees that might not want to go all the way to the downtown office, but they might make it somewhere in the middle, collaborate there instead. There's more and more examples of, and I experienced this last night. And, you know, as I go through, as I personally go through some of these experiences, it brings to light. It's like, oh, so, and it is difficult. So we're in a class. We only had seven, we have seven students in the, in the master's program, but there was one student and this happened the last time we've only met twice out of the five sessions, twice in person, one student couldn't make it, but they, they came in on zoom. So I'm in the room and I'm setting up the cameras, you know, so they have cameras on us, the cameras on them. So we're, we're trying to make it this virtual experience. But the reality is it's hard because I'm looking at the screen and go, oh, I forgot that Stephen was up there. You know? Yeah. And do you find that those people that are remote, particularly if you have a larger class in your situation of people in person, do you find the person that's remote is able to speak up as often or ask those questions? Or do you feel like they're more removed perhaps from the overall meeting? That's a good question. And I think part of it depends on the personality, you know, for sure. But in this case, you know, if, if he wasn't jumping into the conversation, I had to intentionally make sure I brought him in or ask if there was any questions, was there any comments, but it wasn't that unusual. I had to do that for some of the people that were in person, but when yeah. they're in person, they're literally right in front of me. I can see them and they're not participating. Uh, when I'm look, if you don't go to the screen, and then it just blends in, you know, his picture just sort of blended into the screen. But it's also easy for him. Don't know what he was doing during these times, but he would he'd take the video down. Now, maybe yeah. there was an disruption in the back and he was on mute. When you're in a class, when you're in person, you can't mute. You can you cannot talk, but you can't mute yourself and you can't disappear. Yeah, that's um, right. And you can't just start scrolling through Instagram or something like that in class necessarily without yeah, somebody I, noticing. I think one of the students was. <laughs> but, but, you can, but I know what they were doing. I, I can pick that up and, and see if they were active. And then I can change my response or I can, you know, I can be the tough, the tough professor and call on them while they're, well, while they're, when I think that they're, they're scrolling through and, you know, I don't know, maybe they were scrolling through. I, I mentioned something and they were looking it up, which I, which I could see the laptop from one of the other students who was constantly doing that. But if I mentioned a book, she was looking up the book. If I mentioned an article, she was mentioned, looking up the article. I've mentioned an individual. She was looking it up. So she was she was taking what I was saying, what the discussion was to another level where, you know, certainly people could be, you know, on the other side of the room that I can't see what their screen is, you know, definitely could be checking their Instagram uh, or text messaging somebody or doing whatever they do. So what, how have, you know, with all these variations, what have you seen that's working? What kind of tips that can can you suggest yep. for 
for companies or for businesses, small and large, to help them make this transition because the title of this program was A Rocky Road to Hybrid Work. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I love some of the details and examples that you're giving there because that's a lot of the like the tactics and the meeting planning that really get into the weeds around how we can make hybrid work a lot more successful, right? Because a lot of it has to do when you're in those in-person and remote combination meetings, you need to find ways to incorporate everybody, whether they're on camera or in the room. So one of the ways that like, I think you even suggested was basically making sure that everybody has a turn to speak. So it's like, oh, Ira, you're remote. Let's get you in there. Scott, you're in person. Let's get you in there. Jason, you're remote as well. It's your turn now. Everyone gets their five minutes or whatever it might be to make sure that everybody's involved and engaged in the meeting. Another one of the important pieces there too is a lot of the personal connection can get lost when we're all remote. And one of the ways to improve that is making sure that you have your camera on and just having a policy or something like that that says, you know, if you can, within reason, do have your camera on. We don't necessarily care what's in your background. I know it can be a little bit not personal and you want to make sure you make your bed or clean up your room or whatever it might be just to tidy that up. But that's another way to help engage and have that personal connection there too. And the transition into a hybrid working model can be very difficult for a lot of companies. If you're not a technology first company that's used to video calls, or online collaboration tools like uh, for time tracking or for working on tickets or whatever it else might be, then it can be a difficult challenge to work remotely. But other companies that are a little bit more technology focused really had no trouble. Like uh, some of the examples that you gave with the insurance company down the States, another big one up here was Shopify. They closed their office. They said we're 100% remote now. They gave everybody computers and budgets to set up their home offices and <laughs> to buy nice chairs and standing desks and as many monitors as they could handle. And I think that's a great way to transition into the hybrid work model to give people a whole bunch of money. <laughs> you know, I didn't use that example, but I appreciate you you bringing that up. And again, I've heard all these and then you forget about them. But when I mentioned last night that during the transition that there were some companies that, you know, we talk, it was about, it's a leadership program. It's a master's in leadership. So, and I'm talking about the organizational change. And I said, as people made that transition, there were, there were leaders that made sure that their employees had the resources. It wasn't that we we're just going to remote, but they, they had the actual resources. And, you know, people shared examples last night that when they went home, they, the both, both spouses were working remote. So they, and, you know, they didn't necessarily, they, they eat, there was an office that they can each work in, but one of them never worked there because they had a, a place to go to work. And then they came home and they spent time with the kids. So all of a sudden you have two adults trying to get on the same computer uh, to get to work or get a little laptop and then the kids. And then when, when it was determined that the kids would be going back to school and that would be remote remote too. So now you needed devices for them for, so they can get onto the work and then you needed the bandwidth and employers didn't take any of that into a lot of employers didn't take that into consideration. It's like, Oh, well, we're going to have a standing meeting at nine o'clock in the morning. Well, that was at the same time that two kids were supposed to be online in class and your spouse also had a meeting and then your in-laws, you know, moved in because they were living in an urban area and they needed to get out of their thousand square foot apartment. So they moved in with you as well. So it's crazy. Uh, you know, so the example of Shopify, I mean, uh, not, not that you had to be Shopify, but that just that you took into account, do, do you have a, a computer you can work on? Do you have enough bandwidth? Is there a desk? I mean, people early on were working off ironing boards and kitchen tables and dining room tables and and chairs and, and crate boxes. Yeah, to do that for a weekend or a week might be okay, but to do it for a year? And there's still some people in that situation. 
Yeah, totally. Right. And I think, well, I hope, but a year and a half into the pandemic, a lot more people have their home working situation sorted out. And you're absolutely right. It's kind of like if you have five people in a household all on the internet at the same time at nine o'clock in the morning, do you have the bandwidth to be able to handle that? Do you have other facilities that you need to be able to do that? Another interesting example that we came across recently was an employee that was recently hired and she was very excited about going to the office because her husband also works from home and she has kids at home as well. And so like the, the prospect of being able to go to the office was very attractive to her because as much as she loves her family, I'm sure they having some distance away from them at times is also important. So I think that there's actually a lot of like push and pull on both sides. Like there's people that genuinely want some time in the office for really good reasons. And there's people that genuinely want time at home so they can perhaps pick their kids up after school too. And so having that balance between the office and the home workspaces is actually really important for a lot of employees. And having that balance, and again, I go back to my example last night, and it happened in the first time. There was another student that couldn't make it because she was traveling. And 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 again, I, was, I wasn't anticipating that, but I, I don't know why. I guess I should have been in the position I'm in. But it definitely changes the dynamics. I had to learn how to do that on the fly. There's, you know, I'm certainly, I'm sure there are, are better ways to be able to do that. But, but it also brings up an example of what happens then when some people actually go to work, they go to the office, the company mandates you have to be here three days, three days a week, and you go there, but somebody's sick, somebody's, somebody was exposed to COVID, somebody's child was sick, all these reasons, and now all of a sudden you have people in the office speaking to other people in the office and people remote on Zoom. So yeah. You know, so there's some people say, well, that's okay because I had to get out of the office. I get, I had to get out of the house. But there's a lot of people that made the commute, got in there, and then they're still dealing with people in the office on Zoom or whatever platform you're using. I guess Zoom became the the, 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 the Kleenex of the world. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But I think that you're hinting at something that's really important there, and that's like a fairness piece almost to it. So it's kind of like if I made the effort to come into the office, uh, to be there with my coworkers, to be extra productive for the company, and then there's this other person perhaps that is working from home and I'm gonna, I might perceive it as this person isn't making the same level of effort that I made to, in order to come into the office, it might feel unfair. And the fair, unfairness might also feel or come from both, that, both sides too, because the person that's working from home might not feel that their position in the meeting or their ability to speak up in that meeting is as powerful as somebody that's in their room too. And maybe they had certain circumstances that didn't let them come to the office for that, for that certain day. So like the unfairness piece or like the fairness in general piece, I think it's really important to acknowledge and find ways to kind of address as well. But it's definitely a challenging conversation to have too. It's so incredibly complex. And, that, and that's what we're talking about in this class about complexity and, and how, because you're also talking about, so Stephen last night says, listen, my, my mom, I mean, the reason was given is that his mom was sick and, and he need, somebody needed to be there. So, fine. so as an, if I was an employer providing him flexibility and I get a, a pat in the back and a, a big thumbs up for being empathetic concerning and that's fine you, you're still here but you can take care of that but then there is that the detachment from the group it's like well we could have all stayed home i mean i had somebody commuting an hour somebody delayed their i mean their college two of them live on campus they delayed their their trip home till this morning because of that and it's like well if i know i could have done this at home i could have beat the traffic and, and done that so it's I don't know what the correct answer is. Maybe you can help us with that. But, <laughs> you know, how, how do you how do you weed through that? What's the process to to make sure that we we do the right thing 
but yeah. received negatively or, or not as positively <laughs> if we want by somebody else. And I think the best advice I can give there is just fairness and transparency. So like the things that I've seen work there are just planning ahead, for example, right? So at our company, what we do is we ask every employee at the beginning of the week to indicate which days they're going to be working from home and which days they're going to be working from the office. We provide the flexibility for that to be basically as much or as little as you want. We do want to see our employees' faces every once in a while. So like we will ask people to come in maybe once a month or something like that at the very, very minimum in order to have some of that team building and collaboration and things like that. But at least that gives us a little bit more planning and flexibility. And, and some of our teammates actually really like to come in on the same day because this is a good tip too. If you have attractive things in the office, if you want employees to come back to the office, that could be a reason for them to come to the office. So like, for example, we have a gym up on the 16th floor. And so like a couple of our developers actually really like to work out together. <laughs> so they'll come in the office on the same day and then they'll after work go up and then have a bit of a workout. And that's one way to, you know, bring people into the office. And that's one way to help, you know, create a little bit more of that fairness, provide a little bit more of that transparency in the process and give people the flexibility that they need in order to live their lives. Jason, I've been working with you long enough and getting to know you. I can see the wheels turning <laughs> in your head. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. It's, I mean, as I sit back and I listen to what you're sharing here, Scott and Ira, I mean, the first part of, of hybrid was just the nuts and bolts. Like, do I have the stuff at home to actually pull this off? And now we're kind of in this phase, it sounds like, where we're getting into actual behavior for people. Like, what do leaders need to do differently to set people up to be successful from working from home? And then what are the skills, possibly new skills, that our employees need to have in order to be successful working from home compared to working, you know, at the office? And, and I'm curious, Scott, have you heard any employees or have you seen any studies like are there a different set of skills that are needed from leaders and employees to be successful working from home compared to working in the office? Anecdotally, I can definitely speak to that. I don't think I've seen any specific studies on that. But what I can say from experience and observation is that the skills that employees and employers need to be able to make the hybrid work or work from home successful is really just the ownership, the figure it out in this grit, I think is a good word there too. And just the responsibility in order to, to do the work at home by yourself without having somebody over your shoulder for that long period of time too. And from a management perspective, it's also really important to be able to release a little bit of the, I guess, like overbearingness that they might have over every individual employee, making sure that they're doing work every single second of the day. Of course, there's software solutions you can implement on workstations to say like, oh, you must have the mouse moving every 30 seconds. Otherwise I can tell you're not doing your job or we can monitor which tabs you have open on your browser stuff like that. But that feels a little invasive, I'll say. So I would, you know, caution people from those kinds of solutions, but what really the skills that employers and employees really need to be successful in a work from home thing is like one, trust, two, the ability to figure it out. And then three, some level of accountability for their tasks. So as long as you're driving towards the right actions, then I think that it can be, it can work for every, for everyone involved. And that ties directly into what you do too, Ira, in terms of the adaptability, like you got to teach people to be adaptable. Okay. Like last week's guest, Keith said, COVID took our monopoly board and it not only flipped it upside down, but it replaced it with a chess board. And now we're playing chess with monopoly pieces. And so we're having to learn how to be adaptable. And certainly, you know, there, there's a lot of culpability there where, yeah, people, people need to learn to be adaptable, but the things you just shared there in terms of what leadership can do too, 
it's got to be a symbiotic relationship there, right? It's like they got to kind of meet in the middle. The people have to be able to do some change and be more adaptable with their schedule, with the way that they organize, with the way that they communicate, maybe doing daily exit tickets. But then management and leadership, they've got to make some changes too in order to support people. And and I love the things that you share there, the examples. Another one that I've heard from some companies is what they're calling rules of engagement, which basically just means, hey, you know, you're going to have a manager one-to-one with your people once a week at a minimum. There's going to be daily exit tickets with maybe two to three items of here's what I accomplished today. Here's the next thing that I'm working on that just automatically is done to keep people in the loop. And just is is kind of neat to see after we made it through the first phase of how do we even make sure we've got the equipment and the resources to do this, that now we're kind of in that figuring it out phase for the people and leadership. And I think there's a lot of suggestions that have come up today that are going to be really helpful for listeners to the show uh, that they can put into place. You know, one of doing some search this morning to reply to one of the students and they came across an article and I love this. The headline was adaptability doesn't happen by accident. And that's so true. I mean, we, we talk about responding and being flexible and grit. Scott, you, when, whenever I hear grit and resilience, it always perks me up because it's part of adaptability, but it's not the end all and be all because there's other components to it. And one of the other components that we look at and we measure is, is our unlearning ability, not only our learning ability, but our unlearning ability. So last night, and, and I go back to my class, again, it was fresh in my mind. I asked uh, one of the students and, you know, I'm not sure I had to unlearn anything. You know, maybe it's because I'm young. And as we dug deep into that, as I said, so if we go back to January 20th, you said that, you know, every week you were on a plane, sometimes several times a week you were going someplace or just by routine. If you weren't on a plane, you got up in the morning, you stopped for your coffee on the way, your Starbucks on their way in and she went to work and that was the routine. So if I said in January 2020 that within two months, you're going to have to be 100 percent remote, uh, would you, you know, would you be able to do it? And she said, I don't. I wouldn't know. I would have said, no, it's impossible. And I said, well, somehow overnight you unlearned a bad, you, you, you unlearned the way that, that you thought it had to be and you adapted. So again, people are sometimes hard on themselves and they think it's, it's how do I unlearn? How do I break a habit? You know, whether it's smoking or eating too much or not exercising or exercise, you know, whatever it is that I've got this habit and I've got to change my routine and they go, oh, we're not very good at it. And it turns out that they People actually are. They're, they do it and they just don't recognize that they do it. But we are going to take a really quick break here, Scott. And to our all our listeners, we're listening to Scott Hirsch from Talent Marketplace. We're talking about the how do the rocky road to hybrid work. How can we work it? How, how can we make it work better? And so how do we get through all the complexities? And when we come back, um, we've got a tech guy here. So I'm going to talk about, started the show talking about how technology sort of saved us, how bad, how difficult it would have been without technology and talk about how technology is going to help us get through this, you know, as well. And there's some downsides to technology, but there's only some upsides. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to talk, you're going to hear a little bit about adaptability from Success Performance Solutions. And as a reminder, November 30th, next week, next Tuesday at 2 p.m., we are having a webinar on there's no app to adapt. There's no app to adapt, and but there is an alternative. And you can go up to the website, you can go to Success Performance Solution as well. It's right at the top of the screen. There's a button there you can click and register. It's free and hope to see you there. But right now we're going to take a break. We'll be back in one minute. 
Change doesn't pick favorites. No matter who you are or where you live, the year 2020 was filled with one unexpected challenge after another. According to the authors of The Adaptation Advantage, we are incredibly well prepared for the past, but woefully unprepared for the future. That leaves millions of people feeling scared, worried, frustrated, and confused. Whether you're the owner of a business or a worker out of a job, adaptability is now an essential skill you need to ride the next wave of normal. The good news is, is that science shows that adaptability is learnable. Adaptability gives us the confidence and courage to think about change and embrace opportunity in the right way. Adaptability gives us hope for a better future. And goodness knows we need hope. Are you ready to embrace change and double down on your future? Contact Success Performance Solutions today to schedule a consultation about how you can reimagine your team's future, how you can begin to think about opportunity the right way. Welcome back, everyone, to Geek, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thanks for being part of Googleization Nation. And uh, we've got Scott Hirsch today from Talent Marketplace. Uh, we were talking about the rocky road to hybrid work and technology when we left. And we've got Jason Cochran, my co-host, again, from DoLead. As we left off, we were talking about how, you know, people had Zoom fatigue. We heard all about the bad things, technology getting back to work. And yet technology saved us. I don't know where we would have been five or 10 years ago with, without being able to video conference, having, you know, millions of, of workers have to go to work, you know, even despite, you know, all the preventions and the precautions and the masking and everything we took. And before everybody was vaccinated, what, I don't know, I don't know if our economy would have survived at that point, but it did. And, and some people suffered, but in many cases it thrived. Stock markets at an all time high. And, you know, fortunately the, you know, partly <laughs> If you inject a couple trillion dollars into the economy, into the economy, <laughs> it, it helps. But it did; it worked, and we had that ability. And and how did how did we even get the trillions of dollars? It was direct deposited, so it was done through technology. Moving forward, Scott, one of my premises has been that the reasons that we're struggling with the experience with Zoom, two dimensional Hollywood squares type of setup, is that. We're not very good at it. I mean, it is that there's a human factor. We're just not using it to its its capability. We're used to doing in-person exercises. And, and again, management and leadership wasn't very good at, the, at that before, even in person. They're worse doing it online. So as we become better at it, even something like a, a video conference becomes an effective tool. And some people figured that out. But what's next? I mean, we hear... I look at and I read about some of the VR, the virtual reality, or more importantly, the augmented reality as, as that gets up. I mean, I don't know how, I'm, I'm sure you're attuned to it, but where, where do you see it going? I mean, if we have a, another crisis in two or three years, what, what does that look like? For sure, right? And I think this is a really cool speculation that we can kind of do here too. There's a few things that we definitely see, like obviously there's the Facebook and the metaverse and that thing that's been announced and the augmented VR and reality that can be incorporated with that. Everyone has to get their goofy headset on and it can pop into the same literal virtual meeting space. But 
I think that's a long-term solution. So in the shorter term and probably in the next, whatever, one year, two year, three years, I think a lot of the tools and technology that's going to improve the remote working thing is just the collaboration tools. Like think like Google docs or think like whiteboarding solutions or think like more zoom features or Google meet features or whatever they might be. I see a lot of those tools kind of getting more ad adopted and then folks working more collaboratively on those specific tools, right? It's really powerful. For example, if you are putting a presentation together and like I can pop in there, put a slide up and Iron, Jason, you each can pop in there, put a slide up in real time and still chat in there while you're building these things together. And you can see like, oh, I dragged this picture onto your slide. You put that text on my slide. We can collaborate together and build these things a lot more efficiently as well, right? Because even pre-pandemic or pre-Zoom pre world, it would have to be a lot more individual. Like you would take the presentation, go off, build it on PowerPoint yourself, and then come back to the, to the team and say like, oh, maybe we can change this thing. Or like, can you give me your feedback on that? And then I'll go make that changes. But we can do a lot of that stuff real time now. And I think it can be more efficient than it ever has been. So I see the tools and for the short-term future being a lot more of those collaboration-based tools and getting that a lot more adopted. And then in the longer term, that's the exciting piece around like the VR and the augmented reality and the pieces like that. The really un other interesting piece around that too, I think though, is we're still trying to recreate physical spaces in the virtual world. <laughs> I find that really strange. I feel like it should be a better solution for that, but what do you think? Yeah, well, as I was thinking about, you know, I mean, and again, teaching in the school and, and one of our exercises we were studying, we were I was using blue ocean strategy for those who are familiar with it, you know, it's the blue ocean and they got engaged with that. Uh, but I, I looked at, you know, was anybody using VR during the pandemic well for education? And all the schools popped up. So the fact is, you mentioned that it's sort of down the road, but it wasn't. I mean, there were classes, I know Temple University, I'm not sure, that one just sticks out because the article just popped up. But so I went into the room and I looked at what it looked like. And it looked like an amphitheater and everybody, you know, now it wasn't, it wasn't the three of us. It was our avatars. So that mm -hmm. makes it still a little bit detached. It's, it's not, you know, I, I have to know who Scott's avatar is and, and maybe I'd be able to figure that out. But it was done and there was interaction. Now, it does require a completely new skill set because there are a lot of people that aren't comfortable with that, people that are still struggling to find, download an app and, and remember their passwords. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a bit of a challenge. But the opportunities there, which just goes back to, it's both on the, the leader, the manager, the instructor, the professor, the teacher. If they're not skilled at doing this, then, and then you have the, the participants, if they're not skilled at doing this. So there's this, still this skills gap to get there, but the technology's somewhat there. Absolutely. You know, I, that makes me think, you know, I've got an iPhone and I'm in the tech industry, right? You'd think, oh, whenever a new iOS update comes out with all the fancy new features that I test them out and I know what to do. I don't. I'm just like, oh, cool. Here's a new iOS upgrade. Click the button. I get it. And then later on, whenever I'm faced with a task demand, that might require to do something different, then I'm like, oh, I need to go look this up and figure it out. It feels like the more that we can do training and education on the front end, you know, to, you know, to front load these things for people to prepare them for the different tools that they have at their disposal. Like for us, we use Basecamp for a lot of our project management software. We use Canva for a lot of the, the marketing things that we do. And we had to, to learn how to use those in a collaborative way. And it's like a lot of these organizations before worrying about the metaverse, 
and having to wear the goggles. I think, you know, Scott's point there is well taken, like take a step back. You've got a lot of tools you're using right now, but are you using them in the best way possible to set your people up for success? And, and that might be a great message today for the listeners is, you know, step back, look at what you're using. Are there some gaps where you might need to go get something? Sure. But there may be some ways with the existing tools that you have that you aren't aware yet of how you can best leverage those and use those in a hybrid world. But it is very exciting to think about, you know, what things might look like in the next few years, too. And and again, uh, Scott, I think you you referenced you know some of the tools. I mean, you know, using Google Docs or or whatever other collaborative tools you're using. But you know, I mean, I use Google. I mean, we got a Google suite, and I, but I never going back to your point, Jason. This is all these tools, and you never use them. But I was I was doing my this certification. It wasn't a participation; it was a certification. And one of the exercises was we had group uh, broke out into groups, and we're using Jamboard, which is included. So here we are. It's like, hey, take take a post a note and post your idea, uh, exactly like we would have done in person. Is we just went and as soon as you got the hang of it and you figured it out, which took about thirty seconds to figure it out how to use it. Uh, you know, we're just writing and throwing up ideas to be able to do that, and then it gets saved, and and we didn't have to take down the you know the big big. 3M posted and roll them up. And then somebody's transcribed them or took pictures of them. It was already done. And you can continue that collaboration. We also used Miro or Miro, I guess. I'm not yeah. sure. Miro, Miro. But again, there's, there's tools out there and, and a lot of them are included free in, in, in the suites that you have or the, or the software they have and, and people just don't use it. So I think part of the problem that we're having with this gap and part of the challenges in the hybrid work is we got the tools available. We're just not using them properly. Exactly. And when do those training opportunities come up? Right. So like if we were just, the company says, Hey, everybody's working from home now. If I didn't know how to use Jamboard or Miro or anything like that prior, and if I wasn't using that at the office and now the opportunity for training might have even gone down even further. So it's like that recognition by companies and by employees to say like, Hey, there is a potentially a skills gap. Hey, there's, potentially underutilized tools as well. And recognizing that skilling your employees up, recognizing that you're already paying for some of these tools anyways, might as well try to make better use out of them. And then I love what you're saying there too, Ira. Like, I think that there's time savings if you're able to implement these new technologies because you're not transcribing that board, that physical board or taking pictures of it anymore. You can actually work faster than you used to. For sure. Scott, we are just about out of time. This went amazingly fast. What a fun conversation and appreciate you being here. Certainly at this time of Thanksgiving, grateful that you're here. How can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? We've got your company, talentmarketplace.ca. Remember the CA. How often can they get a hold of you? First of all, we do own the .com domain too. So if you went there, you'll end up on the .ca one. But (laughs) thank you for that distinction. (laughs) But the best way to get hold of me, probably LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. Scott Hirsch is spelled H-I-R-S-C-H. You'll find me under Talent Marketplace there. Otherwise, you're more than welcome to visit the talentmarketplace.ca. All, all of our contact information, email address, phone number are on that site there too. Please don't hesitate to reach out or send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to chat with anybody. Very good. Well, I won't wish you, I wish you a happy Black Friday. You've already had your <laughs> <laughs> We wish you a happy holiday and a good year. Love to have you back. Uh, this is obviously going to be a uh, evolving topic, and we got some really exciting things happening in 2022 as we're going to be participating with the uh, People Forward uh, Network. So we'll be talking a lot, a lot more about that. But we wish you well. We wish you thank, congratulations for all your success. 
going to follow this, continue to follow the story. And hopefully uh, we can have you back in 2022. Thank you so much, Ira and Jason, and happy Thanksgiving to you too. I am thankful for this wonderful opportunity, and I hope that you guys have a wonderful holiday season as well. Thank you. Likewise, Scott. Thank you. Stay safe. That was fun. Wow, incredible. I mean, I was just blown away with how many specific examples Scott was giving from companies that they work with. You know, it's one thing, you know, and talking a lot about theory sometimes, but they actually you know, here's some specific examples of things that are being done by companies to step in and help their hybrid folks. I think that's great for our listeners today. Yeah. And and again, it's it's complex when people start talking about it. And I, I know it frustrates people is it's because we're, we're here to offer solutions and help people mine through it. But people, everybody has to be aware that it's, it's a complex problem and there's, there's a million variations. But there's also, as we ended up with free tools to help get through this and People just aren't using them effectively. And that, so, you know, the technology is not the problem. It's, it goes back as it always does. It's people. It's That's right. People and I'll tell you what's going to be fascinating. We touched on this, you know, as we're wrapping up here, we are in the middle of trying to figure out how to use those tools. And so we're trying to figure out how to do hybrid work. And that's a big change from what we used to do. Well, just think about, we brought up the metaverse today, thinking about what those changes of VR are going to be like. If we thought we had to adjust a lot working from home, I think there's going to be many more people, that'd be my prediction, that are going to struggle to figure out how to work through a virtual or augmented reality kind of thing also. And so this idea of leaders and organizations, you've got to rethink how you're training, how you're reskilling your people to do their jobs. This isn't just about them being able to do hybrid work, but coming around the corner, you're also going to have to up the ante to teach them how to do this in a virtual reality and augmented reality world. For sure. And that leads into adaptability. Certainly, you know, we we keep everything we talk about is is not how to react. Don't wait till it happens. And then we respond and we we show our grit and resilience and we've recovered. We got our footing back. But how do we anticipate? How do we respond quicker? and better, more effectively, and and not have these, you know, we're, we're going to have ups and downs, but how do we minimize depth and the scope of the down when we're there? We, we need to learn how to, to rebound faster, and that's what adaptability is. And if you want to learn more about that, next Tuesday, November 30th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, I've got uh, our webinar coming up. There's no app to adapt yet. And uh, you can go to that by rebrand.ly, app to adapt 113021, or you can go to Success Performance Solutions and click on one of the top two buttons that says webinar. Uh, and you can, it's free. We are offering SHRM credits for that and hope to see you there. We already have a, a lot of people signed up for it. But in the meantime, uh, we are very grateful. Grateful. Thank you, Jason. I know you came on board in, in the summer. Really appreciate you being here. This thing is rolling. Excuses and Googleization. A lot of exciting things coming down. So grateful to have you. Grateful for, for all our listeners. We've had a great year. We're in the top 70 podcasts to listen to in 2022. And hopefully next year we crack the top 50 or even top 20. And uh, we got big plans and we'll be talking about more about those in the, in the very, very near future. Absolutely. And a heartfelt thank you to you, Ira. It's been a joy joining you on the show and being with the listeners and Googleization Nation. And that's at the top of my list outside of health and happiness is, is being a part of this wonderful movement 
and with our amazing listeners. So, so thank you for letting me step into that opportunity and join you on this journey, my friend. And, and final thanks. Well, seconds of final thanks. Thank you, Roxy, for all you're doing, keeping us on board, making yes. it easy for us to, to show up here at one o'clock every Wednesday and, and things go so well. We don't have to worry about producing. I don't have to worry about changing things up here. Just can talk and, and participate and enjoy the guests until next week. We wish everybody a safe and happy Thanksgiving. And don't let the shift hit your plans. 